I'm having all these internet issues, and I'm not. I'm really not sure why. Hmm. Other than, I don't know, a cyber apocalypse or something. <laughs> I haven't been seeing the signs of that. But... <laughs> Do you ever wonder though? Like, every once in a while, there's this dark thought in my head. This is my paranoid side. I'm like, oh no, someone's coming for the internet. <laughs> you know, there's a movie. There's a really cute kids movie. It's called Mitchells versus the Machines. And it just came out this year. In fact, it's the one that Isla wanted to watch for her birthday. It's all about the robot apocalypse. Mm. This figure who is the voice of the iPhone or whatever gets replaced by something more efficient. And this triggers the rise up of the iPhone smartphones and everything that they're that the chip is in. Oh, my God. So, yes, it triggers this whole, like, end-of-the-world scenario. No spoilers. You have to go watch it if you want to know what happens. <laughs> I You told me it was very good, right? It's good. It's really funny, and it's really artfully done, and it's very representative. It's a really good movie. This weekend, I was talking about this with my family. My brother-in-law is in tech, and he's like, yeah, this is all true. It's all happening. And then my sister said, I'm telling you, every day we get closer to Skynet. Every single day we get closer and closer to Skynet. Welcome to the Viola-centric podcast. We are two curious violists exploring the art of connection through conversations with each other and our friends. I'm Stephanie Knudsen. And I'm Liz O'Hara Starr. And we're both professional freelance musicians living in the D.C. metro area. Okay, so in Virginia, you know that the COVID restrictions, and I'm sure all over the country, everything is becoming a lot more relaxed, Mm -hmm. all these precautions that we've been under for so long. And I went to the grocery store today, and it was my first encounter in a grocery store since this all started where people were not wearing masks. Yeah. And I was wearing a mask, and I realized that rationally, I probably don't need to be wearing a mask. I've been vaccinated. My husband's been vaccinated we don't have anybody high risk in our household but still it's just feels a little scary to me to go into a public space without a mask totally and i know it's not rational but it's a weird feeling i think it just takes some time for us to wrap our heads around it i feel the same way now i have a 14 month old nephew who can't get vaccinated and it's just very hard to get out of that state of apprehension i think is the word i would use Mm -hmm. it's probably safe for those people not to wear masks right that's what the scientists are saying so we should trust the science just like we trusted science on the other end of this exactly we should trust it on this end too but you know these habits they're dying hard for me yes it makes me wonder like my grandmother grew up during the great depression Mm. and a lot of folks that were around at that time they're very frugal They're just very worried because that was a trauma that occurred in their life. And for the rest of their lives, they just have kept that same habit. I wonder if we're all going to be germaphobes for the rest of our lives. I don't know that that risk is ever going away, though. I think it's probably better to err on the side of being a germaphobe than to not. But still, things are opening up. It's starting to feel a lot more normal around here. And yes. It's very nice. It's very, very nice. Yeah, I really feel that. It feels like there's lots of possibility now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So speaking of lots of possibilities, <laughs> do you like that segue? That was awesome. 
we are wrapping up our first season of the viola centric podcast it's so hard to believe it's unbelievable that it's only been like seven months <laughs> yes since we started this it feels like at least a year right oh yeah for sure it's opened up a lot of possibilities for us too but also i think the best part of this past seven months is getting to know you our listeners and other violists around the country and around the world who are just as passionate about these ideas and exploring these ideas as we are. It makes you feel a lot less alone, you know? Yes, absolutely. I have to reference, I'm listening to the book Essentialism, which one of our guests, Tiffany Richardson, highly recommended, and I'm, I'm finally giving myself the time to listen. And it, literally today, one of the things that was referenced is scheduling time to just be and to think and allowing that in your schedule on a regular basis because that's when ideas blossom and that's when creativity can happen and that's when you can organize those ideas into action and that's really what the first several months of this pandemic did for many of us was force that time and force boredom in some cases, right? We, we hadn't experienced boredom in a long time, at least I hadn't. And I also think too, I, I'm appreciative of separating from what life was like beforehand because it, I guess we had a little less fear in a way about just being open and sharing what we were feeling about a lot of these difficult things in what we do. And I feel like I've been relatively unfiltered and completely myself through this whole process, which is so awesome. Yeah, I think that there was a fear before, at least for me, that voicing these opinions would, I don't know, make me less desirable to hire. Yeah. And <laughs> once that stick was taken away... <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna hire me for anything <laughs> yes. in the next couple months, so I might as well say what's on my mind. Yes, exactly. And what a freeing feeling. Mm -hmm. And we know that you all have been thinking some of the same things because you've been saying them to us in the past seven months, which has been lovely. And we wanted to share some of these interactions, personal and written. Yes. Before we get into the world of acknowledging and thanking all the people who listen to us, I just want to express my gratitude for our partnership, my friend. Oh, right back at you. I really think things happen in their right place at the right time with the right people. Mm -hmm. And here we are. It's just been so awesome. I love working with you in this way. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Big things. Oh, it's so exciting. So thank you. Yes, right back at you. We were acquaintances at the beginning of this. Yep. And friends who enjoyed each other. Yep. It's been lovely to get to know you. So yay. <laughs> so great. Yay for adult friendship. I know. It can happen, guys. It can it happen. Can happen. <laughs> you just need to start a podcast and a concert series together. <laughs> Um, 
we've had listeners reach out in various forms. Of course, we have our email list, which we will be, you know, utilizing to keep you posted on what's up to date. But we also really want it to be a vehicle for you to contact us as well. We've also been very fortunate to have some in-person dialogue and visits with some of our listeners. And so I thought I'd kick off this acknowledgement and it sort of bleeds into reflection as well with sharing about a very special experience I had in April. As you all may remember, we had my dear friend Jennifer Wade on the podcast and uh, she's a values-based identity coach. And in April, she offered this three-day virtual workshop called Flipping the Script. And the concept is that we have these, we all have these stories or limiting beliefs that kind of make us feel stuck. If you ever feel like you haven't been able to make progress behind something that, you know, those sticking points like, oh, I always end up not being able to produce X, Y, or Z or whatever it might be. So I, of course, signed up because I'm, you know, I'm probably in for anything Jennifer has to offer (laughs) and show up on the first evening And we're all introducing ourselves. And lo and behold, there is someone involved in the workshop named Eileen, who is from, she lives in Scotland. She's from Ireland. And she found out about the workshop from us, from the podcast. (gasps) No. Yeah. It made my heart so full to know that there was someone out there listening who then was like brave enough to take the leap to, to jump in and do this live workshop with the rest of us. Not to mention five hours ahead of our time, which means on Friday night, she was with us till like two in the morning or something crazy. So Eileen, you rock. The workshop itself was so good and it was good for me. I thought I was picking this really tiny issue in my life, this like insignificant thing or superficial thing, which is that I am a chronic overscheduler and I never seem to be able to have time to do the things I really want to do. Of course, that's not a small issue at all. (laughs) So I really was digging into some discomfort throughout the weekend. We did some breakout sessions. And on the first night, Eileen and I had the breakout room alone together. And we got to know each other. And Eileen is just absolutely lovely. She is a flautist, actually, originally. But because of the pandemic with the winds and, you know, being restricted in that way, she decided to start playing viola a little bit. And she has a group that she performs with up there and heard about our podcast from somebody involved in that organization. So she basically told me that we have like this little fan club in Scotland, which is super cool. (laughs) We're coming. Yes. We're going to put it on our vision board. Yeah. (laughs) It was just so lovely to get to know someone on that level because we were all sharing important things, you know, and most of the people in the group were musicians, even those who were not musicians. There was a lot of overlap in the experiences. It's just really special to like share that time with someone. So I just wanted to say thank you, Eileen, for being brave. And it's absolutely wonderful to get to know you. And I hope we're, you know, I hope we stay in touch. It was just so cool. The fact that we can reach somebody who's across the Atlantic Ocean from us is yeah wild. It's nothing I would have ever dreamed of. I would have thought, okay, best case scenario, our friends will listen. <laughs> yes. Maybe some other people yes. who we know from like college will listen and then that'll be it. Yes. But it's, it's all over the world, Liz. Oh my God. It's so crazy. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So one of the new things just... And thank you, Eileen, for 
joining us and being a part and following along. Liz and I had a really fun experience just last night. We're both starting to get into Clubhouse, which is a drop-in audio platform. It's a social media platform, but it's only audio. There's no video. And it's like joining in on a group phone call Mm -hmm. where most of the time you're muted and you're listening to the moderators or other guests talk about a certain topic. Sometimes it's a panel of experts. Sometimes it's just a group chat. We did one last night, and a couple of our listeners, Rizwan and Lisa from Alta Clef Gifts, joined us, and we just talked about creativity during the pandemic. So thank you two so much for being a part of our little experiment, because that was really useful and a wonderful way to connect with you and find out a little bit more about you. So for the, all the rest of you, it's going to be something that we're going to incorporate regularly even over the summer. So you need to join our email list and we will send you notifications as to when those clubhouse rooms are going to happen. And we invite you to join us over there. And we're definitely going to incorporate them next season as a part of our regular schedule to have regular chats with our guests after episodes. Yeah, the format of Clubhouse. I really like it because Steph and I have been talking all season about how to get the opportunity to connect with you guys in a more personal way. And this really allows us the opportunity, even in just our short visit last night, kind of fumbling our way through figuring out how to use it, we were able to learn some things about Rizwan and Lisa that were really, I mean, it was just so fun to like actually get to know pieces of who they are. And yet, if you are a little reticent to join in on a conversation, this is what I didn't know at first, you could just join the room and listen in on the conversation. And then if you feel comfortable at any point, you can opt to be put in a position where you can unmute and speak, which of course we welcome and we invite It's just another way to have that personal connection that we're so, so deeply rooted in here. Anyway, I'm really excited about that being a new offering. Yeah. So should we get into the the messages now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the first one that I have is from our friend, Evelyn. Hi, Evelyn. Who is someone who we know from the area. Evelyn is a fantastic violist. And (laughs) she says... I'm having a great time following the podcasts, and I really enjoyed seeing my neighbor's artwork combined with beautiful music that went along with it. I think she's referring to the um, Fred Schneider gallery little slideshow we did. Yes. I think she knew Sherry Trachtman. Oh, okay. I think they're friends. Okay. So she says she has a question. By the way, how in the world do you manage to play while wearing a mask? (laughs) I slide all over the place. I can't get a grip. Is there a secret? What I can tell you is I find that the better fitting the mask is, the easier it is to manage playing. If it's loose, it tends to either, you know, push up above my nose and then it's covering my eyes partially or I have to pull it way down and then it's coming off of my nose. So I found that the ones that I could really form fit worked the best. I think, Evelyn, if it's sliding around, it's probably too much fabric on the chin. Yes. Maybe it's the mask and not the viola. Well, I will tell you, I have had this problem too, Evelyn. So what I do is I fold up the portion that's right, that goes right over your chin. And so it exposes the skin right underneath your jawbone. 
And then I play like that. And then I don't have that problem. Very smart. I mean, it's still covering nose and mouth. Now, this may be moot by the time that you guys hear this. Mask <laughs> mandates might be gone. But if you ever have to, and it looks like masks might be a part of our future, just know that you can just fold up the bottom if it's cloth mask and you should be good to go. I love that. That's so good, Stephanie. All right. So the next letter was from a listener that we have not had the opportunity to meet in person yet, but it's possible that we could because she's not too far away from us. Her name is Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. And she wrote, I wanted to ask if you have any advice you might want to share around tips for networking. I'm a branch manager for a financial institution and I play in an orchestra as a section slash volunteer violist. I would like to expand my musical network, but I'm unsure how to begin. I know things look different with the pandemic, and there is social media, but I wanted to gain your insight. In normal times, what you can do is, in our area, there, we have a union. Uh, you join the union, and you play the showcase. And as part of the showcase, what happens is contractors from around the area come, and they listen to you play literally like three minutes. And then that can be your way in. When I was new to the area, that's what I did. I don't know what it's going to look like this fall. So what I recommend that you do is you find a player who also offers lessons, someone who's already in an orchestra. We have a lot of great teachers and players in this area. I would look them up and send them an email and ask if they offer lessons. Based on how that goes, you can go on to another teacher, ask them as part of your lesson what they would recommend. And those are people who are already plugged in, who have hiring power. Yeah, that's great, Steph. I will add to, I'll just share with you what I did. I would consider maybe you could call this a hack. <laughs> I think there's a lot that can be applied in business to what we do as musicians, as freelancers, if you're looking to freelance. So... This is t playing lessons is one way of networking. In other words, getting to know musicians in the area and playing the showcase for sure is a way to meet a few contractors. But sometimes it's hard to get commitments from people of time unless you're willing to pay for that time. So that's why lessons is great. You may not get a response because it requires them to make the time to see you and hear you and they may not have that time. They may not have that luxury. So one of the things that I did when I first moved here and then continued to do was I basically looked for every single orchestra website I could find for regionals, freelance orchestras, you know, whatever it was. And I found the personnel manager's contact information and I emailed my resume with a note that was just very professional that said, I'm a violist in the area, can give them slight bit of background, and I would very much like to be considered for the sub list. Please let me know if there's anything else I can do or if I need to set up a time to play or if you have a sub list audition coming up. And very often, you will get a shot at one of those sub lists, even if you haven't had the opportunity yet to play. And of course, if you do get that shot, you know, you want to be prepared, you want to be professional, you want to make it as easy as possible for the contractor. I will also say that in the orchestra you're already playing in, even if it's primarily a community type orchestra that's not, doesn't have paid positions, that doesn't mean that there aren't great contacts with 
other contacts right in that group you play with. And so much of freelancing is about building those relationships. So I would be brave and chat with people in your orchestra if you haven't had the opportunity. Get to know them a little bit better. Find out what they do, where they're based, where else they play, and just get information, you know, form relationships. I feel very safe saying that for the most part, save a few successful sublist auditions and playing for other people and, and having some success with that. Aside from that, my entire work is based around the relationships I've formed in this business. So that would be the advice I would share for that. Yeah, that's great. What's next? Okay, so the next thing is from our friend Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi, Claire. And Claire asks, if you have any advice for getting connected with people to do chamber music, I'm kind of worried that focusing on teaching has put me in a box. Hmm. Also, my orchestra went under and I don't know that taking auditions once the pandemic is over is a realistic or even going to be a thing that I do. I do know that it'll make me hate playing. hate my musical life and I Mm. I feel that very very strongly we just had a similar conversation yesterday yes Yes. so she says basically I'd love to play more and get asked to play more and I'm not really sure how to make that happen what are your thoughts Liz first of all Claire I want to say that what you have been doing in the field of music education and private pedagogy has been phenomenal Mm -hmm. and For all of you out there who have really dedicated your heart and soul to cultivating an environment for students to learn that's positive and engaging and also motivating, it's essential. It's so essential. And so there's so much value in what you have spent your time doing in these last few years. I think there's a little bit of overlap actually to what I just was suggesting to Melissa, that relationships are really, really important. What's required is the proactivity to seek out those relationships and find out how you get in there. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people who want to do chamber music, don't you, Steph? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you just have to find the right person who's also looking for that thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Putting yourself outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and your usual circle of people. So the usual people who you play with or collaborate with don't want to play chamber music. So you got to find some new people. Yeah. Put yourself out there either by sending some emails to people whose names you find online or friends of friends. And you just got to put yourself out there and, you know, take some risks that are maybe feel a little uncomfortable to you. But I will say this also, that what you feel like you're qualified to do can limit you. Mm. You said in your email that you feel like you may have put yourself in a box. That is a limiting belief, and it's something that you have to convince yourself that you are a player. And we know you are. And we know that you are, <laughs> but you have to know that you are. A lot of this is putting yourself in a box. Yep. And once you can get past that limiting belief and you know start to think of yourself as a performer, then other people may start to see you as a performer. So those are my two things is really examine that belief about yourself. And the other thing is, if the things that you've tried already aren't working, try them with different people. I like that a lot. Thank you. I don't know about you, but starting this podcast was a scary thing because talking to people who I don't already know is definitely outside of my comfort zone. But I will tell you, 
that not a single person who we asked to be on our podcast said no. Yep. Not a single person that we asked. Does John Oliver count? <laughs> well, we didn't really actually talk to him personally. I'm kidding. You guys. <laughs> we so want John Oliver on the podcast. To- <laughs> Somebody help us. <laughs> I emailed him a very charming email. You did. It was delightful. So, you guys, <laughs> I am practicing what I preach. I reached for that golden ring and didn't get it this last time, but... Yet. Mark my words. John Oliver will be on our podcast. Yeah, I love it. It may not be next season, but it may be the season after. You know what you just did? You put it out into the universe. Yes. See? There it is. There it is. You two can think big like this, so yes. do it. Yes, I love it. Okay, next up. Oh, we got a good one. Okay, so this this one's juicy. This is sort of the last, I would say kind of topic of conversation. We thought that this topic in our podcast episode was a little bit thought-provoking, if not controversial. And it was the episode that we had with my friend Steven Slater, where we talked about introducing an interview portion of an audition, that you get to the finals, everything else stays the same. You get to the finals, and you also take part in an interview process with the panel. And We love this idea because we believe that it's something that could encourage the individual within the musician to be able to express their voice a little bit more. And it also might be something that audition panels could utilize to really understand more about the people who are taking this audition and not just take it down to the very nitty gritty like someone played this one note in such a way that was slightly different from the next and that's how they won the job. So we are really into this idea and you may see some more exploration of thought from the two of us on that. So stay tuned. But we did get feedback about this from our friend Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Here's what Cameron wrote. I think there are a lot of things that would need to change in how orchestras work. There's the issue that a normal orchestra job doesn't make use of any of these additional skills and qualities. Quote, show up and play is more or less the extent of an orchestra musician's job description. They're told what music they're going to be playing when and which soloists and guest conductors. Within that system, interviewing for these additional qualities is as pointless as hiring people based on how good they are at juggling tennis balls Another skill the job makes no use of. (laughs) Spicy. Thanks, Cameron. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for writing in. Yep. Being so pointed with your thoughts. That's what we want to do here is have these kind of conversations. And Totally. I love that he brought this up. I don't agree, but maybe we're not the best people to... (laughs) 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 I would say that a lot of things in orchestras are changing. Hmm. We've been in orchestra meetings in the past couple weeks where administrations are asking their members to do more. That's right. They're asking us for our specific skills and contributions. And I think that that is the trend. I don't think things are going to stay the same. And so why should the audition process stay the same? Yeah, I like that a lot. And it's true. We are maybe lucky in that way. It's hard to know. I We've talked about this before too, Stephanie, whether or not we're in a bit of a bubble with the motivation for change and the movement towards change with the organizations we work with. It's hard to know 
And I would imagine that more feedback might be forthcoming about that, which would be really interesting. But what I will say is to Cameron's point about where we were a year and a half ago, I think that you're right. I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. That is sort of the source of the issue is that we have all felt like the little soldiers who go into our seats and play the music to the best of our ability and check our personalities at the door. I think that's true. Or at the very least, that's the way that we all feel about the job. Whether or not the organization means for that to be the case, that's an unknown. Mm -hmm. I agree that it has to also be an organizational change. It's almost a chicken and egg thing to suggest that the audition process shouldn't change unless the organization does. Maybe the audition process helps the organization change. I mean, who knows? Those are questions that have to be asked if organizations step up and try something like this out. But I agree with Stephanie that I don't think things will revert. If anything, organizations that are making an effort to start change now will continue to do so because I do feel that it's a type of evolution that's occurring. And I hope I, more of that happens. I really do. Hope it's a wave. Yeah. And somebody's got to be at the crest of that wave. That's right. You have to be willing to take the leap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> status quo makes things stay status quo. It's so true. And I also just want to give Cameron an extra shout out because Cameron was the first colleague to reach out and say that he had heard the podcast and he was enjoying it. And one of the things that made us laugh, Cameron, I don't remember what episode it was, maybe just two or three in, I got a message that was like, I do have a suggestion. And I said, okay, sure. What? What? Please. Yes. Why doesn't your music have any viola on it? And we do have some big news to share with you, Cameron, and everybody else who's been wondering. Yes. You guys, there's new podcast theme coming. And it features violas. (laughs) Us. Liz and I. Yes, us. My great friend, JP Wogeman. Hi, JP. Who is a composer. Hi, JP. I hope you're listening. He composed us this sick theme it's cool and it's so good you guys liz and i are in the process of rehearsing and recording it now and it'll be fresh on season two's first episode it's so exciting that we have someone writing music for us and it is very cool i have to say i do have some fondness in my heart for orbit which has been our theme music for the year Despite it not really fitting, and we know it's time to say goodbye, we really do. But wow, we've we've had quite a journey with the song Orbit. Yeah, just like your first kiss. <laughs> it's got a special place in our hearts. Can't wait for you all to hear JP's theme. Speaking of music, we really want to do some thank yous. And the first place we want to start is with our live stream partners. This was the biggest ask of time and of effort and patience and patience christy chiara michael hall for joining us on the inaugural journey playing with us and recording that first podcast episode which we had so much fun doing with you guys greg watkins for jumping in he's a good friend of ours and he introduced us to now two new very good friends of ours stella and dave with kentucky avenue that concert gave us so much direction for what we want to do with our live streams 
going forward. I mean, we're just so grateful for that. Joe Oramashur at Artspace Herndon and Matt Richardson, my good friend, who offered to take up the live streaming for us. But not just that. When we have a video that you guys see online somewhere, Matt puts that together for us. I send it over and it's done and he's just been willing to help and it's just been so, so appreciated. So thank you to all of you. The other thing we wanted to thank was Potter Violins, who, yes, you know, we're both Potter girls and they take care of our babies and Chase over there who manages their social media. He was gracious enough to invite us to take over their Instagram for a day, which was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And we really enjoyed preparing all that fun content for you. So thanks to Potters for including us in that Viola Madness Day. Absolutely. Uh, Lisa at Alto Clef Gifts. So this story was just total synchronicity. Stephanie and I had started talking about doing merchandise. We were exploring our options for sourcing that merchandise and being able to sell it from the website. And lo and behold, this message came into our inbox from Lisa at Alto Clef Gifts with the interest in partnering with us. And we are so grateful for you. And we're so excited to be able to support your business, female-owned, small business. Violist-owned. Violist-owned business. That's right. So thank you, Lisa. We are so excited about the partnership opportunities with you going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, we just want to go ahead and, and give a list of thank yous to our episode guests and people who have contributed to our efforts in our first season. So episode guests included Michael Hall and Chris Dichara, Robin, Chris Jacoby, Scott Slappin and Tanya Solomon, Greg Watkins and Dave and Stella from Kentucky Avenue, Allie Goodman, Tiffany, Molly, Jennifer, Stephen, Kaylee, and our finale viola mom, Rebecca Young. Yes, thank you all so much for having conversations with us, for being willing to open up, sharing your voices and your perspectives so freely yeah. with our listeners mm -hmm. we would not have been able to gain the perspectives we have now were it not for all of you mm -hmm. so thank you so much for that we also want to thank everyone who has contributed to our efforts thus far it's made it possible for us to really explore new avenues of connection and to continue to do so we're so grateful for your contributions amanda andy chris dennis evelyn jerry jen jeremy kate Keith, Kristen, Linda, Linda, Maggie, Melissa, Michelle, Molly, Philippe, Robin, Scott and Tanya, Sarah, Sharon, Shubda, and Stacy. Thank you. Thank you all so much. And finally, so we have a couple of just really beautiful touching emails that we got from you about the impact that our podcast has had on you. And I just wanted to share a couple of those because they were really special to us. And we want you to know that we read them and that we, we feel very grateful so the first one is from Maggie, and she says, Ladies, I'd probably listen to a podcast of you two just laughing for an hour <laughs> because you are both so fun, and it would make me feel like we were back in normal times. Thank you for being so creative and inviting all of us to join you both on this wonderful viola journey. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Maggie, so much. And Dana, your conversations of connection and balance are just what we all need right now. These are conversations I crave with others and yet am afraid to engage with colleagues about them. 
I too have been doing full body nods with you. Just wanted to send a note of congratulations and even more encouragement. Sending huge hugs and well wishes. Thank you, Dana. So thank you everybody for listening this season. We are going to be doing some heavy brainstorming and planning over the summer to bring you even more exciting stuff for next season. In the meantime, you can find us on social media. You can find us on our website. Please sign up for our email list so that you know when those special clubhouse rooms are going to pop up. We want to hear from you. We want to stay connected. And also in the meantime, you can head over to our website and stock up on some Viola-centric merchandise. Heck yeah! So we just mentioned Full Body Nod. There's an amazing design on Lisa's site that says hashtag Full Body Nod. And there's an alto clef and a staff. And our logo's on that. And it's really, really cute. Use the code Viola-centric. Over there, you get 10% off of anything you buy, not just our merchandise. But we hope that you will sport and rep and tag us in any pictures of that merchandise that you get please don't hesitate to reach out to us with thoughts with questions with perspectives ideas for next season you know we we want to hear back from you as always thank you so much everybody for being on this journey with us we can't wait to be back next season we'll see you later thank you so much for listening to the viola centric podcast If you enjoy what you're hearing and would like to support us, please consider a contribution through the PayPal or Venmo links in our episode notes. Once again, I'm Liz O'Hara Starr. And I'm Stephanie Knudsen. We release new episodes every other Monday, so please subscribe so you don't miss one. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and on Instagram and email us at violacentric at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.